Hey guys, it's uh, it's 2.30 in the morning right now. I would really like to be sleeping, but uh, but God has really been keeping me awake with something, really been putting something on my heart to, to talk about, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just lay in bed and do nothing. I'm just going to do and say whatever he tells me to say. So I, I prepared a little bit of some things, but not really that organized, so I apologize if it's a little out of order. And just so you know, I'm going to be trying to use a, a bunch of Bible verses in this, so if you don't like that, Let's leave now. Goodbye. Um, I hope you do. I hope you do like Bible verses because it's the word of God. So, so the thing that I've been thinking about a lot tonight is when someone says to me that I have given my life to Christ. When when someone says that I have given my life to Christ, what does that mean? Because we say it a lot. A lot of people say it a lot. What does it mean when you say I have given my life to God? Because when you say that, what I'm hearing is you have literally given your life to God. And that means that you will do everything he tells you to do, right? That means that you will follow him wherever he tells you to go. And you will try your best to make him happy because he owns you. You've given your life to him, right? So what does that mean? Because when people say that to me, what I'm hearing is that. That's, that's what I'm envisioning in my head. But what I'm seeing is not that. So I want you to think for just a second. Just think like, if you say that you've given your life to God, how much of your life do you actually spend doing things for God? And how many hours a day do you spend doing things for you? How much of your life is planned and revolved around doing things for you or doing things for God? Just think about it. Think about. It. I'm not here to tell you. I'm not here to judge you for it because I'm guilty of all these things too. What I'm trying to do is just show you that when you say I have given my life to God, you should be doing things about it. You know, and I I know already that I'm going to get a lot of people saying, well, well, Josh, listen, you know, we're saved because we believe in God. You know, like Romans uh, ten nine and ten says. It says. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and you are saved. Okay, so that is true. You are saved by these things. And and you might hear that, well, well, you know, I'm just saved by, by faith alone. You know, faith and grace, like it says in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Um, through faith, and this is not of yourself, but a gift from God, not by works so that no man can boast. That's true. That is how we're saved, right? But what what does it mean when you're saved? What does it mean when, when, when you are saved by God? It means that, that you were redeemed, right? It means that you used to be a slave to sin, right? You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to your fleshly desires, all of these things. But when you are saved... You have been redeemed, and now you are a slave to Christ. You become bondservants of Christ. How many times do the apostles start off their letters with, I, you know, Paul, bondservant of Christ, bondservant. Bondservant is basically a slave. It's someone who, who owes a debt to their master or whoever. It, it means that, that I have been purchased. I have been redeemed. That's what redeemed means. I've been purchased, and we've been purchased with the blood of Christ, saved from God's wrath, and now we owe our life. We're supposed to give our life to Christ. Like you said, when, when someone says, I've given my life to Christ, well, what does that mean? Well, this is what it should mean. 
It means that you have been purchased and now you are a slave to Christ. So anything he tells you to do, anything he commands you to do, you should really, really try and do it. So, that being said, Galatians 2.20. For I've been crucified with Christ. Okay? I've been crucified, crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay? That's really good. Good verse. So, you have been crucified with Christ. He died for you. And now he lives inside of you. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Now, how do we know that we are living by the Spirit? Okay? Because when when you go let's say you go to church and you hear a sermon and you're like, wow, that was a really good sermon, you know, really good words. I'm really gonna think about that a lot. And then, you know, you go off to lunch and you hang out with your friends after church, and you know you forget everything you heard. You forget the whole sermon. You know how many of you can even recall what the last sermon at your church was even about? I'm guilty of this all the time. You know, I forget all the time. You know, it's it's just because you're not dwelling on it. You're not meditating on the word. You know, it, you're not impressing it on your heart and on your mind. And you're not following God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You know, these things all accumulate into you know walking by faith and living living for Christ. Now. The, in, in James, I think it says, in James, I can't remember the verse, but it says something along the lines of, of do, not be, do not merely be hearers of the word, but, but doers of the word. You know, don't deceive yourselves by just hearing the word, but be a doer of the word, okay? So when you hear the word preached, or when you read it in your Bible, or the, you know, whatever, when you do all these things, you should take that and you should apply it. Don't just hear it, apply it. And it always reminds me of this verse in... Um, in Ezekiel, I'm going to read it to you because I don't have this memorized, but Ezekiel 33, um, chapter 33, verse 32. So my people come to you as usual, sit before you and hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Although they express love with their mouths, their hearts pursue dishonest gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do they not put them into practice? Okay, it's really convicting. How many of us do that? How many of us hear the words and we're like, wow, that was a great sermon. Good job. Good job, uh, you know, Paul Washer. Good job, MacArthur. Good job, sermon guy on Sunday. You know, you know all this stuff. You, you hear the word and you're like, wow, that was really good. I'm really going to apply that. And then you forget what it is. Well, after after that quote, where, well, don't merely be hearers of the word, but be doers, it's as if you were a man who looks in the mirror and, and then walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's what he compares you to. So don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy, okay? That's what I'm trying to get at. Don't be that guy. So so basically what I'm trying to get at is how do we become doers of the word? How do we become doers? Well, I think a good start would be to to know the word, to, to read the word, to understand it, to, to, to be in the word, reading it, and, and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal his wisdom to you, and, and all these things. Those are all really good starts. So let's start with a really easy one. Let's start with an easy command in the Bible, okay? Be holy because I am holy. A really easy one, right? We all got that down, right? Just be holy, whatever, no big deal. Okay, well... God doesn't just command you to do things without giving you the ability to do it, right? Because when we're saved, we get the Holy Spirit, okay? And when when you get the Holy Spirit, you you are filled by him, 
You know, it's not it's not something that you can become more filled by. I hate it when people say that. Fill me with your spirit, God. Fill me more. Fill me more. Fill me more. No, 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 no. When you are filled by the spirit, you get the spirit. That's it. You have it. What has to happen now is you have to get rid of your flesh. What does Paul say? I kill my flesh daily. I crucify my flesh flesh daily. I, I have to kill my flesh, my desires, all of my wants, my needs to be filled with the spirit. You know, when I'm weak, I am made strong. Because when my body is at its weakest, that's when I'm filled with the Spirit, and that's when I'm ready to go. That's when that's when the Spirit can really shine through, is when I've given up, when I have nothing left. That's what he's trying to say here. So we're filled by the Spirit, and that gives us the ability to be holy. Because before that, we're just sinners. We're slaves to our sin. We're slaves to our fleshly desires. So... I, that's something I was thinking about a lot recently, and that's why I, I decided to, to memorize this passage about the fruit of the Spirit and then the deeds of the flesh. Okay, So, so when we look at this, we look at what, what does it look like when you're living by the fleshly desires, and what does it look like when, when you're living by the fruit of the Spirit? So this is how you'll know which one is winning, You know, which one is, is, is going to be winning this conflict, because your flesh is always going to be battling against the Spirit. So this is what it is. This is the verse. So it says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you no longer carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these things are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you're no longer under the law. Now, but the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, jealousy envying, drunkenness, and carousing, and against other deeds that I have forewarned you about. And I have also forewarned you that those who practice such deeds will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so that just laid out all of the fleshly desires. If you have the, if you're, if you're struggling with any one of these things, then that means that your flesh is winning over the spirit. And you have to pray to God because you can't do it on your own. Okay, remember that. You're not going to beat these things on your own. So if you're having problems with, with anger, if you're having problems with, with uh, lust, with anything like that, you have to ask God. Be like, God, listen, I failed at this 100,000 times. I need you to save me from this. Okay, so fill me with your spirit, right? Okay, so help me to beat this. Help me to beat this this problem. Okay, so after this, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that's how you know if you're walking by the Spirit, if you have these things, okay? And against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions, okay? So we're crucifying all of those fleshly desires and all of those passions. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So he's saying, crucify the flesh, crucify all of those desires, and walk by the Spirit. Okay, that's a lot to digest really quickly. But like I said, there's going to have a lot of scripture in it, because I think that if I just say a lot of Bible verses, then I can't go wrong. Okay, so we're going to do that. Okay, so if we do that, that's that's one of the first steps to being holy. That's one of the first steps. We, we're understanding his word, we're hearing his word, and we're going to go be doers of his word. We're going to go do it. You know, like I said, we're not saved by our works, but our faith will produce works. Because if we're attached to the vine, if we're attached to the vine of Jesus, we will produce good fruit. And this is what he's talking about. Your fruit is not just your works. It is also your inward fruit, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit. 
And and your works will follow these things. You're, if you love people, you will produce good works to help these people, right? Okay. That's what James was talking about when he said be doers of the word. Okay. So what else? What else does the word teach us to do? I'm not going to go through all of them, but, you know, just I'm going to help you out a little bit. Okay, so what else? So another passage that I think is super important for anyone, especially if you're going into ministry, is 2 Timothy 4, um, 2 through 5. Okay, so I'm going to read it because I don't have it memorized perfectly yet. Okay, so another command. This is from Paul to Timothy. This is one of his last letters that he ever wrote before he died. Okay, so get ready. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires... They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say, their it, to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Okay. There, that's a very, he's, this is very clear. You do what he says here. Okay, don't, don't just hear it. Don't just hear it. Do it. Okay? What's another really important command that is given in the Bible? Okay? Well, it's called the Great Commission. Okay? So, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay. I love that. I love that. Because not only is he telling you to do something, but he's also telling you, I'm going to be there all the time. I'm going to be there every step of the way. You know, like David talks about, he's like, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is what I am envisioning right now when he's saying, I will be with you always to the end of every day. I will guide your path. All you have to do is follow me and trust in me. Go and make disciples of all nations. Evangelize. Do it. Okay, be doers of the word. Remember, we're, we're, we're doers now. We're no longer hearers. We're doers. That's what we're going for here. That's it. <laughs> be a doer. Okay. Now, one of the things I hear often when when I talk to people about evangelism and street preaching or whatever it is, is I hear, what if I'm mocked? What if, what if someone hears me and they're like, uh, you know, F that guy, you know, how many times do you see a street preacher or, you know, hypothetically me getting flipped off while you're preaching and then I'm saying F you, you know, you know, nobody wants to hear this. What, what, what are you supposed to think? Cause I, I can remember hypothetically what I was feeling my first time that that happened. I was like, wow, that didn't feel good. I don't like it when people are mad at me. I don't like this. And and I remember thinking about that for about five seconds and then thinking about what, uh, what Jesus said very, very soon after. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted and insulted and mocked because of my name. Wow. Okay, great. So I thought about it for like five seconds. I was like, wow, actually, no, that's, that's a good thing. I'm blessed. I'm actually blessed because of that. Because, because that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you will be mocked because of my name. Every time they mock me, I'm just like, you're affirming scripture to me. You're, you're affirming my belief. Because Jesus said this would happen, and it is happening. So here it is. That, that's what happens. <laughs> so oftentimes, I, 
I feel down. You know, sometimes I'll feel I'll feel like, hey, man, I, I don't think I can go out today. I, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, I'm not confident right now. And those are the times that I think that Paul is really talking about when he says that when I am weak, he is made strong. You know, but my, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, what, what's the verse? I'll, I'll read it to you. I have it written down here. So Second Corinthians 12:10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest in me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, he is made strong. It's in those moments where we are weak, when we're beaten down, we're tired, we're just been insulted all day long. Those are the times when we are strong because that's when we rely on the Holy Spirit the most. When we're put through trials, tribulations, that's when we rely on the Spirit. And that's what He wants. He wants us to rely on Him. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's the whole point of the Holy Spirit. It's to be our helper. You know, Jesus says, I will go away and I have to go away. And it's better for you if I do, because I will give you the helper. I will give you the spirit. And that spirit is what will, will drive this church. It will be the center of the church. Let the spirit guide. That's what we need to do. We need to understand his word, understand his will. And then the spirit will grant us the wisdom that we need and guide us on the path that we need to go again. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is what we need. That is what we need. Okay. One one passage of scripture that often, I, I, I think about this one very often. It's in Jeremiah 20. Jeremiah is basically getting mocked and ridiculed for preaching the word that God has given him. God is like, hey, listen, you're going to go give this message to these people. And every time he does, he gets mocked. He gets put in the stocks outside of the temple. And they just walk by all day long and they ridicule him. He's like, look at this this young guy. You know, what does he think? He's better than us, us the religious leaders. You know, he doesn't have the word for us. We're not going to get destroyed. What is he talking about? Well, they did. And this is, this is what Jeremiah is doing. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He sees the downfall of his country coming. And he's just, he feels God telling him, go and preach what I'm giving you. Okay, so let me read it. Jeremiah 20. This is what he's saying. I am insulted all day long and everyone mocks me. The word of the Lord has brought me insults and reproach all day. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is like is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That right there, the, it's like a fire in my bones. I have to preach his word. I have to. Because if I don't, it's like, it's like a fire burns me on the inside. That's how we should all be with evangelism. That's how we should all be with spreading the word. Evangelism is not a specific gift for just certain people. You know, it is a gift for some people, but for me, it's not a gift for me. I don't feel gifted in this. It's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to get insulted. It's hard for all of these things. It's really disheartening, though. When, when you're out evangelizing, this is, this is the hardest part about evangelism. When you're out there and you're trying and you're, you're trying to bring people to Christ and you're spreading the gospel and you're preaching Christ crucified like Paul said to do, and people reject it. And you know what that means when they reject it. You know what that means for them. It means the wrath of God is still on them. I lose sleep over this. I lose sleep every time someone's like, no, 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 I don't believe that. I lose sleep because I know what that means. 
I know what that means for them. And it kills me. It beats me up inside because it's like, what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? But there's nothing I could have done better. For it's not me who does it. It's the Holy Spirit. Anytime someone is saved, it is a miracle. Because we are so opposed to God in our flesh. Only the Holy Spirit can soften the hearts of the people. Only He can draw people to Him. But it's hard. It's really hard to see. I, I like The more you evangelize, the more you do it, the more you'll understand Jeremiah's cries, the more you'll understand it. Because he's not only crying because he's, he's about to get insulted for, for preaching God's word. That's not why he's crying. He's crying because he sees the destruction that is coming to his people and he's trying to warn them. He's warning them that they're about to fall off a cliff and they won't listen. They won't turn from their sin. That's why he's crying. That's what Lamentations is all about. That's what it's about. So, another thing, just another, another thing I was thinking about, and this is, this has been on my mind a lot, because this is something my brother told me one time, back when he was in his rebellion, and, you know, I was going through my rebellion at the same, like, same-ish time, and, and he told me, he's like, you know, I want to know the main reason why I don't want to be a Christian, why I'm not a Christian, is because of Christians, Christians preach a big game. They say they'll do all these things. They, they, they say they are a certain way. You'll hear it in the sermons, you know, love your neighbor, all these things. You hear all of these commands that they're supposed to follow, and I don't see it. They're not different. They're just like everyone else. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They'll preach all of these wonderful things, but they're just hypocrites. And I won't be a Christian if that's what being a Christian is. And that stuck with me for a really, really long time. Because I agreed with him. I see the church in America, and I'm like, who would want to be a part of that? There's nothing special about them. When you read the, when you read about the church in Acts, you see something special. Everyone around them sees something special, and that's what gravitates people towards it. They're different. They're not of the world. They're in it, but they're not of it. And what does James say about being a friend of the world, conforming to the world? He says, if you conform to the world, if you look like the world, if the world accepts you, you are an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. You cannot look like the world. You cannot be of the world. You have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword, a sword to separate father from son, mother from daughter. He's not coming to to make you friends with everyone. He's not coming you coming to, to have you just preach love to everyone because it's not all love. Jesus is love. Don't get me wrong. He is. And we should have love in everything that we should say. But we should also speak the truth. That's what everyone forgets. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And if you're not doing that, then I don't know what to tell you. If you're only preaching love, if you're only preaching that God loves you no matter what, that's not true. Because in the Psalms it says that God hates all who do iniquity. All who do iniquity. He hates all who do iniquity. 
What does that mean? I guess what I'm trying to say is the church needs to start being the church. The church needs to start practicing what we preach to be filled by the Holy Spirit, to stop to stop living by our own desires. That's what I want to see. I want to see the church rising up. I want to see the church out in public, not hiding your light. The Bible says that we should be a light, a salt in the light, like a city on the hill, so all can see. Why are we hidden? Why are we hidden? I don't see the church out in public. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of evil in this world. And we may not see it. It might not be that, that prevalent to us in America. But I'll tell you what. When you go out there and you're preaching in the streets. And you're out there being a light. The evil comes out. Something my dad told me one time. He said that once you start preaching. Once you start getting out there. And actually you know, doing what the Bible says to do. Your light will shine. And Satan will see you. Satan will find you. Because now. Now you're a threat. He sees you creeping in on his darkness, and he'll try and put your light out. So that's a warning, because when you start doing God's work, Satan will attack you more than you've ever thought. And if you're not being attacked by Satan, chances are you're not doing what God's telling you to do. If you're not facing trials, if you're not being attacked by sin, I don't know. That's dangerous. That's a really dangerous place to be. Because that means Satan's like, I don't know, don't, don't bother him. He's doing what I want him to do. He's doing nothing. I like that. Keep doing that. Go for it. we got to be really careful. <sighs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, like, I'm not saying any of this to just, to just be mean to everyone and, and to convict everyone. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to speak the truth in love, and I'm sorry if I don't come off that way, but it's just my that's just how I talk. I'm trying to just to to push the church in a way that it needs to go if we're actually going to make a difference, if we're actually going to change things. Because I'm looking around the world, and all I see is darkness. All I'm seeing is is darkness everywhere. Everywhere is just creeping in darkness everywhere. That's everything that I'm seeing, and I would love to see the church get out there in public. To be out evangelizing like the Great Commission says to do. Like it says in 2 Timothy. You know? Like Paul says to do to Timothy. Go out and evangelize. Preach the word in season, out of season. That's what we have to be ready to do. But I just don't see it. And I don't know what else to do. I can't tell you guys what to do. The Holy Spirit should be convicting you of what to do. And if he's not convicting you of what to do, then maybe you have to be checking if you have the Holy Spirit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. A good fruit will produce good. A good tree will produce good fruit. A bad tree will not produce good fruit. And a good good tree will not produce good fruit. It's three in the morning. I'm tired. I need to go to bed. My words are starting to lose it.